0: Father in heaven, we know that You know the end from the beginning. And Lord, You know that we are in great need of the Holy Spirit. And our prayer is that You would pour out Your Spirit upon this place. Our prayer is that Your angels would be here ministering to us. And Lord, our prayer is that You would speak directly to our hearts. Help me to get out of the way so that Lord, You can speak to every individual. You know what we need. You know every heart here. And our prayer is that You would give us ears to hear. Give us a mind to understand. And Lord, our prayer is that You would help us to apply Your Word to our lives so that You can transform us more and more into the image of Jesus. And we pray and ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, it is no secret that we live in a world of chaos. It is an ever-changing place filled with pain and suffering and trouble, and we see it all the time in the news, but more importantly, we have experienced it in our own lives, haven't we? We know that there are things that are going on, and we question what's going on in the world as we see all of these natural disasters that are continuing to increase. It seems that it's fresh in the news every day that there's another earthquake, a tsunami, a hurricane, and some other uh, disaster that is happening all around us. Financial corruption, poverty, the uncertainty of, of the future seems to overwhelm and drive many people to depression at a rate that is unprecedented in human history with the constant threat of terrorism, political unrest, social injustice. The world is in a tension. And we are beyond the ability of human intelligence to be able to solve the problems. And so there are many people who are broken today. And we are looking for answers people are looking for hope. And they are desiring something better. And they are unsure even where to look for the answers. And there are millions of people around the world that are asking, what's coming next? What does the future hold? And others are wondering, where is God in the midst of all of this suffering? think to themselves, if God really exists, if God really cares, then why does He allow this sort of thing to continue to happen? And I want to answer at least partly that question tonight, and we're going to look more at it in the coming nights. And we are going to be able to see the incredible plan that God has, not only for the world, but for us as individuals, as we deeply into The Study of Bible Prophecy. The Bible, friends, is no ordinary book. And it reveals world history for thousands of years in advance with perfect accuracy. And it reveals special events that are about to come upon this world. It reaches across every age, every tradition, every culture, and it has the power to change your life. You may have come to this series knowing what to expect, but I want to give you at least two things that you can expect from this series. Number one, expect to be surprised. Because by the very definition of revelation, which is the major book that we're going to be studying. Revelation means an unfolding or a revealing of something previously unknown. So you can expect to be surprised. The next thing that we can expect is that God will be speaking directly to your heart. We can expect knows where we're at and what we need and how best to prepare us for the things that are coming upon the world. Bible prophecy gives us clear insight into where we are in the world and where we are headed in the future. And God is going to plan not just for this world, but we are going to discover hope today and confident for tomorrow as we open our Bibles night after night. There's a book in the Bible that is specifically geared towards speaking to humanity in Earth's last days. It is a book that also is going to reveal Christ in a very remarkable way and it is the book of Revelation. It reveals the very character of God, the heart of Christ, and His plans for both this world and for you. The book of Revelation was written by John. John was one of his closest disciples. John was present when Jesus was baptized. John was present when Jesus was crucified. John was present When Jesus ascended back into heaven, he, John had spent three and a half years with Jesus. But let me ask you a question. What is the purpose of Bible prophecy? What is the significance of it? And we can find the answer to that question in the book of Revelation. So I'd like you to grab your Bibles and turn with me to Revelation chapter 1. If you're using one of those Bibles on the table there, uh, you are going to turn to page 1406, and I'm going to refer to those Bibles on the tables as our seminar Bible. Revelation is the last book of the Bible, and we are going to look at Revelation chapter 1, and look with me at verses 1 through 3. The Bible says that this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is now. I want you to notice in these first three verses of the book of Revelation that we find three reasons for Prophecy. Three purposes in Bible prophecy. And the first one that we see is that God wants to reveal Jesus Christ to us in a deeper way. He desires for us to know him, He desires for us to draw close to him, and to reveal his character in a special way through prophecy. Without Jesus as the centerpiece of prophecy, all we are doing is gaining some intellectual information. But Jesus is at the center of prophecy, and because He is, He can bring into your life. And the book of Revelation is a revelation of Jesus Christ, meaning that it's going to show us Jesus Himself. It's going to reveal the heart of Christ, and it should reveal to us the thoughts that He has towards this world, people who have lost their way. And yet, in actuality, the whole Bible talks about Jesus Christ, doesn't it? Jesus said to the Pharisees, You search the Scriptures daily because you think in them you have life, but they testify of Me. And so we are not only going to look at the book of Revelation, we are going to look at the entire Bible. The second purpose that we see in those first three verses, and the purpose for Bible prophecy is that God wants to bless us as we read His Word. As our hearts are opened and our minds are ready to receive His Word, our lives can be changed through His Word. Amen? In this seminar, you are going to learn many things, but you also see that they are coming from God's Word. I'm not going to tell you what I think. Unless I specifically say, this is what I think. But I am going to point you to the Bible. And so there are two main things that we are going to be looking at. First of all, we're going to use the Bible as our primary source of authority. And second, there are times when we are going to look at history to see how history proves that the Bible was right when it prophesied things years before it happened. The third purpose that we see in Bible prophecy is that God does not want us to be in the dark when it comes to where we are heading in the future. In verse 1, it says that God has given the revelation to His servants. God wants you to know where we are headed. God wants you to know how to prepare for His coming. God wants you to understand Bible prophecy speaks specifically to our time. It reveals things that must shortly take place. Things that he says the time is near. And so make no mistake, friends, Bible prophecy is being fulfilled today in 2019. As we study Bible prophecy, you're going to see Lot of different scenes, you're going to see a lot of different symbols that are describing to us what is going to happen, and when we get to the second of the book of Revelation, we're going to find God revealing these beasts and these other powers who are bringing spiritual calamity upon the world. And there are many people that are confused by the symbols in the book of Revelation. But I want to point out to you that in, in some places, you read a prophecy and it tells you right there exactly what that symbol means. And then there are other places that it doesn't tell you what the symbol means, but we've got to let the Bible interpret itself. And so we've got to find somewhere else in the Bible where it tells us exactly what that symbol means. Because prophecy is not left to the individual to decide what it means, but God tells us exactly what those symbols are. And as we keep coming, we are going to discover those symbols. In Revelation chapter 14, there's a powerful message that goes out to the entire world. And we are going to study more of this in future nights. It is a message that God gives to the whole world world to hear. It is a last plea to humanity to accept Him. And in the face of the mark of the beast and Earth's final crisis, God speaks directly to the planet Earth as this message goes across the world to every continent. Let me read to you a part of that message. Revelation chapter 14, verse 6 says, "...then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God." And give glory to Him for the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him who made heaven and earth, the seas, and the springs of water. The most important elements of that message are that we should recognize that God in these last days is trying to get our attention. He proclaims a solemn message that the hour of His judgment has come. And in future nights, we are going to see that that judgment to come has already started. What did I say? That judgment to come has already started. But as we see this declaration of judgment upon the world, we see that it is also mixed with love and mercy. The everlasting this planet, that that we need to respond to the plea and the plan of God to escape the things that are coming upon the world. And as we look around, we see that even non-religious people have this sense that something big is about to happen. We are facing unsolvable problems today, and God is calling us in these last to turn to Him as the Creator. He calls us to recognize that He alone has the solution to our problems and our own selfishness and our sinful hearts. In the midst of all of the chaos, God promises that in in the very end, He is going to have a people on this earth that love Him so much That they are loyal to Him no matter what. They have given their lives to the One who has given His life for them. They have responded to the invitation, the everlasting Gospel, and God has recreated their hearts and they are going to stand with Jesus no matter what the cost. Revelation 14, verse 12 says, "...here is the patience of the saints." Here are those who keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. Here we see a description of God's last day people. And so tonight, you can also respond to God's invitation. He invites you to open your heart to receive Him. And to let His love change your life. He alone has the power to make you new. Cleanse your heart and make you a new creation. He does it through faith. And faith is simply trusting that God can do what He says He can do. If we believe in His Word, there is nothing He cannot do in our lives. Friends, will you trust Him tonight? Will you surrender your heart to Him? And as we continue to study these three angel messages in future nights, you are not going to want to miss it. If you wanted to miss a night, miss last night. Because every night is important. But one This message of God, this last day message, once it is declared to the entire world, then the Bible is very clear that Jesus Christ is coming back to this earth and He is going to take His faithful people home to heaven to be with Him. The Bible tells us that He comes in the clouds of heaven. Revelation 14, verse 14 says, Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud. And the one who sat on it was like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with voice To him who sat on the cloud, thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And so he who sat on the cloud, thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. When Jesus comes back to this earth, He is going to take His people back home to be with Him in heaven that the time will come when this broken world will no longer be broken. His presence will light up this world with an indescribable brightness and light, and God's people will be waiting for Him, they will be rejoicing, and they will say, this is our God, and we have waited for Him. Their patience will be rewarded at that time. And they will see God face to face. Suffering, sin, and sadness will come to an end. It will be no more. What a glorious day that is going to be, friends. How many of you tonight are ready for Jesus to come? Amen. Praise the Lord. The way is clear. We need to give our hearts to Him today and every day that we can be ready for Him to come. And so, He longs to have us as sons and daughters, but only you can make that decision for yourself. Won't you choose Him today? Later in Revelation, you read of the Battle of Armageddon. Of the seven last plagues. In chapter 7, we see this last global power called Babylon, which is a, a system of religion and state mixed together teaching error that deceives the whole world at the end of time. And we are going to learn through this series exactly who and what that power is, and how God has a plan to prevent you from being deceived. Because the Bible says that everyone just about is going to be deceived. And the whole world is going to wonder after the beast. And as we walk, Jesus Christ, as we follow His Word, His love and truth guide us in every aspect of our lives. And we do not fear, because Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead, and He has already gained the victory. And then in Revelation chapter 19, we see this beautiful picture of Jesus coming to this earth as King of kings and Lord of lords. And before the book of Revelation is complete, we see that He makes the earth new and that everything is restored back to perfection, back to where it was in the beginning in the Garden of Eden. God says in Revelation, the time is at hand. And we are going to learn more about the climactic event in future nights. And so you're going to want to keep on coming. All of these things are yet to come. The book of Revelation is not just a book about the future. It is a book about today as well. Jesus promises to walk with us every day as we surrender our heart to Him. Ask Him to come in our lives he will be with you through the trials and help you to carry the burdens of everyday life i want you to notice in revelation chapter 3 verse 20 that jesus says behold i stand at the door of your heart and knock and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door i will come into him and dine with him and he with me in this verse we are reminded Jesus Christ already has walked in your shoes. He already knows what's going on in your heart and in your life. And He was victorious in His life. And so if He comes into your heart to abide, He will also give you a victorious life. He will cause you to become more and more like Him moment by moment. Revelation chapter 3, verse 21 continues, To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, and as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on his throne. He promises that he will receive us if we repent of our sin, He will wash us as white as snow, clean us up from the inside out, and give us a victorious life filled with joy and peace. And we will also be able to become overcomers. We can look beyond the heartache and the hurt of this present experience and we can see that there are good things that are coming Christ is going to return. And He offers us hope in a world that is in chaos. He offers us a new beginning to our lives. Now all of us know people who are suffering today with terrible diseases. Some of them are not going to survive. You may be one of those that is suffering tonight with uh, some debilitation of your own, but He has given us hope that there is better things to come in the future. And we don't have to just look to tomorrow for hope, but He gives us hope for today. Amen? The inescapable conclusion is that sooner or later, Jesus Christ is going to return to this earth. And when He does, there is going to be a generation of people that love Him so much. They have given everything to Him. They have surrendered it all. And they have His character. They will be pure. Their hearts will be cleansed. And they will be changed by Him and their lives will testify of that change. But let me pause for a moment and ask you a question. Could it be that we are that generation? Could it be that Jesus Christ is going to return to this earth in our lifetime? that the events that are happening in this world right now are leading up to that point. I say to you friends, undoubtedly they are. And how do we know for sure? Because we are going to dig into Bible prophecy and we are going to see how God is pointing to everything that's going to happen and He is wanting us to prepare for His coming and He's going to show us how to do that. But before we look at that prophecy, I want to point you to a special promise that Jesus has given to each and every one of us. Something that we can cling to in the midst of a chaotic world. It is a promise that is still in effect today. And so I want to show you that. So grab your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 14. That's going to be page 1241 if you're using one of those seminar Bibles. John chapter 14. And I want you to notice what Jesus said starting in verse 1. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not true, I would have told you so. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare, a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto Myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Friends, what a beautiful promise that Jesus has given us. He promised us that He is coming back to this world. He is coming back and He's going to take us home to His house in heaven. And there is no dark of this world that can take that away from you tonight. There is no trial, no disease, no struggle that life can throw at you to take away the love of God that He has for you and the place that He has for you in His heart. You can claim that promise all the way to eternity. So now, let's take a look at this amazing prophecy the, the prophecy where the signs are so clearly indicating that Jesus is coming back to this earth soon that we, if we're paying attention, if our hearts are open, we can't miss it. It's right in the middle of the Gospels. We find this remarkable prophecy about the end of time and we learn how Jesus reveals to His people That they can look to him in a time of chaos. We can trust in his power to deliver us. It's found in the book of Matthew. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew is a kind of mini book of Revelation. And I want to point out the the disciples came to him one day and they asked Him a certain question. And the question is one that people are still asking today in 2019. I want you to notice what it says in verse 3. Now as He, that is Jesus, sat on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to Him privately saying, Tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of Your coming and the end of the age? Now in the mind of the disciples, they were asking Jesus one question. Because if you go back a couple of verses before that, in verse 1, you'll see that there was a disciple that came to Jesus and was pointing out the temple and the beauty of it, and Jesus said to them, not one stone will be upon another. In other words, Jesus was telling them that the temple was going to be destroyed. And I want you to put yourself in the place of those disciples. As a Jew, the temple was the pride of the nation. The temple was the place where God dwelt with His people. This was God's house. And if Jesus was saying that God's house was going to be torn down to them, that must be the end of the world. But Jesus knew that it was two different questions. When was the temple going to be torn down? And what were going to be the signs of His coming? And Jesus masterfully blended the two answers together into one. This is a very important question that they asked Him. Because the answer that Jesus gives them is going to show us that what is happening in the world right now is what He was describing. His answer extends 2,000 years into the future, into the headlines of our newspapers today. And whatever Jesus is about to say is important, isn't it? So let's see how He responded. When the disciples asked Jesus what was the most important sign that they should be before His return, I want you to notice that Jesus responds with, take heed that no one deceives you. Jesus is telling us today, pay attention, look out for deception, because deception is going to be more prevalent in the last days than truth is. Both Jesus and other Bible prophecy points this out over and over again that we must watch out for deception in the last days. It is going to be subtle. It is going to be seemingly innocent. It is going to be secretly striving to invade your mind and your heart. Anything that conflicts with what God's Word has to say is not good for us, is it? No matter how innocent it seems, God has given the very best to us in His Word. And so why should we listen or pay attention to anything that is going to pull us away? Anything that clashes with the Word of God? Anything that disagrees with it? And so I want to suggest that we make it the purpose of these meetings. Make it the theme of our Bible prophecy series that if it's in the Bible, we believe it. And if it's not in the Bible or it disagrees with the Bible, then it's not for me. We reject it. We throw it out. Because we want to know what God is saying to us, not what the world is saying to us. And in these last days, deception is going to be more popular than the truth. Let me say it this way. What is right isn't always popular. And what is popular isn't always right. Amen? Those deceptions are only going to increase the closer we get to the end of time. And our only safe place, our only safe path, is to be in the Word of God and follow the Word of God. In these last days, friends, you can't trust what you hear. You can't trust what you see. You can't trust your feelings and emotions. The only thing that we can trust is the Word of God. Amen? It's the only thing that's going to get us on the right path. And then Jesus starts to describe the religious deception in the last days. He says in Matthew 24, verse 5, For many will come in My name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Friends, throughout the history of humanity, there have always been men and women who have thought of themselves as being a god. Kings and emperors and military rulers have often thought of themselves as being God or being a Messiah, but time has proven that their claims are nothing more than claims. And today, across the world, there are thousands of people who are claiming to be Jesus I don't know if you knew this or not, but there are about 1,200 people right here in North America who claim to be Jesus. And the real scary part about it all is that many of them have a following. I want you to please notice what... The book of Timothy tells to us about these last days. Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times. That's the last days. Friends, that's the day that you and I are living in. He says that some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. What Paul is saying to Timothy, what he's saying to us, is that in these last days, there are many people that are teaching error. There are many people that are teaching the doctrines of men rather than the commandments of God. And friends, we are seeing that happening today. The occult, witchcraft, sorcery are extremely popular today. They are widely accepted. And it is often portrayed as innocent fun. Zombies and and vampires and other things that become obsessions in the TV shows, in the movies, in the books that we read, the games that we play, and much, much more. Certainly the words of Scripture are coming alive today. Friends, today the occult is a cool thing. Just ask Harry Potter fans. It's a cool thing. But the scary part about deception is that we often think that it's the other guy who is deceived. And we don't realize that there is a spiritual deception now in the world right underneath our noses. Friends, no deceiver is going to come up to you and tell you that they're going to deceive you. No prophet is going to come up to you and say that they're a false prophet. No pastor is going to say to you that 80% of what they're teaching you is error. We can only look to the Bible as our guide to tell us what's going on and the deception that is happening right now in the world. It is not enough to simply believe in Jesus in name only. We must allow the Bible to be the tangible guide of truth that directs our thoughts, our choices, and our actions. Jesus goes on in Matthew 24, verse 6 to say, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Friends, in World War I, 24 million people died. In World War II, 60 million people died. I want us to try and wrap our minds around that massive number. It leads us to believe that Jesus wasn't referring to His day when there would be wars and rumors of war. He was referring to our day. More than 280 million people died by war alone in the 20th century alone. That's more than all other centuries combined. The signs that Jesus spoke of are being fulfilled in the headlines today. Let me try to put this into perspective for you. Today, there are approximately 10 million people in Michigan. That means every person in Michigan would have to die 28 times to equal the number of people that died by war alone in the 20th century alone. It's huge. And that's just in the last hundred years. The constant threat of global calamity is not something that people thought about before 1901. It is a very new experience, relatively speaking, for our world. Words of Jesus are surely being fulfilled today. Surely we are living in these times. But Jesus... Gives us a very special promise. In Revelation chapter 11, verse 18, it says, "...the nations were angry and your wrath has come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth." The Bible is saying that we have nothing to fear. God is going to come and He is going to destroy wickedness, but He is going to save His people. Amen? We have that promise of Jesus. And when He was talking about the signs in the last days of earth's history before His coming in the end of the world, when He was talking about wars and rumors of wars, there is no question that He was talking about our time. But remember the promise of Jesus. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. In Matthew 24, verse 7, Jesus goes on to say, For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various or in diverse places. Jesus said there are going to be famines. Friends, are we experiencing famines in the world today? The United Nations tells us that one out of every nine people don't have enough food to live a healthy life. We have a tendency to forget that as we live here in comfort in the United States. But that is a huge problem. One person dies every five seconds because of hunger-related causes. In spite of the fact that one-third of the food that is produced in the world is wasted. That's the global impact. In our world today, 925 million people are either malnourished or hungry. Many people, they see these things and and they question if God is all-powerful. Why is He allowing these things to happen? Why is He allowing the innocent children to suffer and to continue in poverty? Why all the injustice that just seems to be increasing? How can a good God, a God of love, allow these things to happen? And it even causes some people to question whether God exists or not. But the reality is, friends, that many of these things God has put in our hands to correct. For example, there is not famine in the world because there is food. There is plenty of food for every person on this planet. It is simply a matter of how it is distributed. It is simply a matter that because greed and selfishness in the human heart that there is a lack for some. God has made us the stewards of this planet. We are to take care of it and we are to take care of each other. And we are going to study that more in the next few nights. But think about this for a minute. In a world that is so advanced, in a world that is so intelligent so studied so qualified so technologically advanced how is it that we can't figure out how to feed the hungry of the world and the reality is that a third of the food that is produced in this world is wasted that's amazing think about this for a minute in the united states of america the average person that's you and me and 20 pounds of food every year it must break the heart of god jesus also spoke of pestilences i ask you the question what's a pestilence a pestilence is simply a disease that there is no cure for We've always had diseases in the human race, but in the last hundred years, there has been an explosion of new diseases that are coming out that they have no cure for. AIDS may have been around your whole life if you're a young person, but it's only about a hundred years old. It's killing two million people a year. And we can thank God for the advancements in medicine and and in research and in treatment. And, And HIV is no longer automatically considered a death sentence. But it is killing millions of people. You add to that people all over the world who are dying from heart disease and diabetes Did you know that there are approximately 80 million Americans who are pre-diabetic? There are millions more who are. It is costing this nation billions of dollars. We all know too somebody that's died of a heart attack, don't we? We all know somebody who has had cancer at some point. Many that have died from it. These diseases are modern pestilences. There are other diseases that are coming up that are far more serious and scary to us, like the Ebola virus, SARS, mad cow disease. These that they have no cure for whatsoever. Jesus said the signs of the last days is that there's going to be famine and pestilences. And it may surprise you to know that the most common place to pick up sickness is at the hospital. That's why it used to be that they would keep you uh, for, for many days at the hospital, but now they're trying to get you out of there as quickly as possible because of all of the diseases that are prevalent that are in that place. Friends, we are sicker perhaps than we have ever been before. Even in this modern world with all of our technology and research. And I don't know if you've noticed or not, but the medical industry is booming. You see just about every hospital adding on, and there are building new ones every single day. In all of our research, in all of our capabilities, we are sicker now than we have ever been before. In fact, when you really think about it, throughout our history, there's always been diseases. Diseases. Measles and and mumps and smallpox. But over the last hundred years, we have seen an explosion of all these new diseases that we have never seen before. Surely the words of Jesus 2,000 years ago are coming true today. No wonder Jesus talks about earthquakes Could He be talking about this for our day? I want to point out to you that just since the turn of the century, just since the year 2000, we have seen the number of earthquakes increase exponentially across the globe. I want to point out to you that in recent years, you'll remember the earthquake in Haiti. Remember that? 222,000 people died in that earthquake. It's phenomenal. These are catastrophic events. These are massive events. And, and we can see that in these, Jesus is telling us that we are living in the time that He was talking about when He said that there would be earthquakes in various places. I want to point out to you something that it said in Time magazine on June 26, 2019, just a couple of months ago. It said that there were over a thousand earthquakes that hit Southern California in one month's period of time. Let me read to you a part of that headline. It says, Swarmageddon as it has been dubbed, started May 25th and lasted through at least June 19th according to the Southern California Seismic Network. That is a partnership between the U.S. Geological Survey and the California Institute of Technology. It affected an area of San Bernardino and Riverside counties 40 miles east of downtown Los Angeles. What we're seeing here... Is that in one month's period of time, there were over a thousand earthquakes in a very small area? I want to point out to you that the United States Geological Survey said that between the years 2000 and 2003 there were an average of 12 to 15,000 earthquakes per year that's just 16 to 19 years ago 12 to 15,000 but then in 2005 to 2008 that number jumped to between 30 and 35,000 earthquakes And then from 2009 to today, it is now 40 to 45,000 earthquakes. It seems that there is a continual increase in earthquakes fulfilling the words of Jesus. And then we start talking about weather related events. Who can forget Hurricane. Katrina and Rita, a one two punch that hit the coast of New Orleans, causing $150 billion in damage. Friends, nobody has seen anything like that before. These things were very rare to about a hundred years ago. And now it seems that there is a regular occurrence. And how could I forget to talk about, yeah, there's a lot of damage that was done, but what about the lost life? What about the families that have been torn apart? What about the communities that have been destroyed? You can't put a price tag on that. We have never seen storms like these before in the history of our country. It is the worst that everyone had experienced until just three weeks ago. And you'll remember at the very beginning of this year's hurricane season of 2019, the hurricane season begins on September 1st and the first storm of the year was on September 1st. Hurricane Dorian hit the Bahamas. It was a Category 5 hurricane that did something else that had never happened before. It stalled right over the Bahamas. It stayed there for two days and it literally ripped the place apart with over 200 miles an hour wind. Friends... We've never seen anything like that before. In fact, the uh, weather service is now saying they have to upgrade their hurricane levels. They expect that we're not only going to see more Category 5 hurricanes, but we're going to see 6s and 7s. Storms are increasing intensity. And then where there are these severe storms in one place, there are other places that are experiencing this uh, a drought where there used to be a 100-year drought that would last about a year each time. Now those droughts are lasting for decades. But remember the promise of Jesus. Let not your heart be troubled. I want you to think about this in terms of another sign that Jesus gave in Matthew 24, verse 37. He says, But as the days of Noah were, so of the Son of Man be? I ask you the question, friends, what were the days of Noah like? We can go back to Genesis chapter 6 and look at verse 5. It says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intense of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. In other words, people were sitting around thinking about how they were going to break into your bank account thinking about how they were going to steal your identity. There was nothing but the thoughts and intents of the heart that was evil continually. And then Genesis chapter 6, verse 11 says, the earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. Friends, does that sound like the world that we live in today? Are we living in a world that is filled with violence? Sounds just like it, doesn't it? What we see in our streets, what we see in our cities, around the world, suggests that we are living in the days that were characterized by the time of Noah. Jesus said that the day of His return is going to be like the days of Noah. Friends, it is obvious that then we are there. We are living in violence. How many of you, Remember that first modern day mass shooting at the Columbine School. The whole nation was shocked at what had happened. But now today, these things are happening so often that we shrug our shoulders and we say, oh boy, there's another one, right? It's almost as though we have become numb to the world's evil. We have come to a place where we don't even realize the way that it used to be. The world, just like the days of Noah, is evil continually. But then again, there are many skeptics There may be some in this room that say, yeah, I hear you, Pastor, but haven't we always had earthquakes? Haven't we always had hurricanes and tsunamis? And and haven't we always had famines and pestilence? And I would say to you, yes, we have always had these things. But I want you to notice something very significant that Jesus says in Matthew 24, verse 8. He says, all these things are the beginning of sorrows. Now I want you to focus in on that word sorrows. Because if you go back to the original manuscript, if you go back to the Greek language, you'll see that the word that was used to be translated into the English word sorrows can also be translated into labor pains. In fact, there are many Bible translations that say it that way. All these things are the beginning of labor pains. Now men, you and I, we don't know much about labor pains, but you ladies, you know, don't you? You've experienced that. and, And you recognize that when a child is about to be born, when a child is about to be delivered, it starts off with a contraction that compared to them later is relatively small, even though it hurts and and it's bad, but they get worse. And the closer you get to the delivery of that baby, the closer that you get to the time of that child being born, those contractions get closer together and they increase in intensity. And so, friends, it's not that we have never seen these things before. It's that they've never been like this before. They are increasing in intensity. Those storms are getting closer and closer together. In fact, just a week ago, there were seven hurricanes in the four in the Atlantic and three in the Pacific, all at the exact same time. They're coming closer together. They're getting stronger. And this world is about to be delivered. Jesus Christ is coming back. And we see these signs that He is coming to us. And friends, should we be hopeless? No, of course not. Because notice what Jesus says in Luke chapter 21, verse 28. He says, Now when the things begin to happen, look up. Lift up your heads because you know your redemption is near. Make no mistake about it, friends. Jesus said that we are to watch for these things. And as they are happening all around us, even though they're not necessarily good things, we can look beyond those things and we can that good news is about to happen. Jesus Christ is about to come back to this world. He is coming very, very soon. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, Jesus said, "But that of that day or that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Friends, we know exactly when Jesus Christ is going to come. There are a lot of people who have tried to predict the day and they have all been wrong. We don't know for sure when He's coming, but we can look at the signs and we can see that it's very, very near. And that we need to get ready. And then there's one more sign that Jesus gives as an encouragement to us today as we Take a look at it from Matthew 24, verse 14. Jesus said that the gospel would go to the entire world. To all nations. And today, there are many in the world who are longing for something greater. They are longing for something deeper. And they realize that, that this world can't satisfy what they're looking for. People of every walk of life. Muslims. Muslims. Atheists, Buddhists, and others are realizing that the Bible truly has the answers to the problems that our world is facing. And as you get acquainted with Jesus, you also realize that He not only has the answers for the world's problems, but He has the answers for yours. Across the globe, hundreds of millions of people are discovering in Jesus Christ a life-changing power that cannot be bought or obtained anywhere else. I don't know if you realize this or not, but of all the Bible studies that are requested around the world, the number one language that is requested is English. The number two language is Spanish. And number three is Arabic. Those in the Arab countries are longing for the truth. People in China are risking their lives and their freedom to come together secretly to study the Word of God. To learn more about Jesus. Today, they want to know the truth. They want to know that there's only one truth and it is the person of Jesus Christ. The world is awakening to the need of the one true God. And that is another fulfilled sign of the nearness of the coming of Jesus. Quite literally, the prophecy from the book of Revelation is being fulfilled tonight right as we are meeting here in this room. Revelation 14.6 says, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, and tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him who made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. So tonight, our hearts can be filled with hope. Jesus is telling us that we are living in the last days and that we need to give our hearts unreservedly to Him. We need to give it all to Him. Lay it all on the altar. Worship Him as the Creator and the Redeemer of man. You know, friends, there's much confusion in the world today. There are many philosophies. There are many belief systems. But there is a very simple way to make sure that we are not among those who are being deceived in the last days. It's very simple. We need to pray. We need to read our Bibles. We need to follow Jesus Christ every day. Follow His teachings. Gather around the Word of God and make it our counsel. Make it our guide. We need to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and body. Jesus said, if you love Me, keep My commandments. You see, friends, it's very straightforward. It's very simple. Of God. And if you love Him, keep His commandments. Follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And as the Holy Spirit is, is working in your heart, and as He is asking you to give some other area of your life to Him, give it to Him. Surrender your heart to Him. God can give you a new heart tonight. God can give you hope tonight. God can give you a new future tonight. That's what God can do. The One who made the water turn into wine is the same One who can turn a sinner into a saint. Open our eyes. See with new eyes. Jesus raised people from the dead. And He can raise us from spiritual death if we're without hope tonight, if you're filled with sin tonight, we can come to Jesus. We don't have to come to Jesus and Jesus on prophecy as a mental exercise. We're not coming to this series to gain just information, but we are coming in a spiritual exercise because we are studying the book. And God is is leading us to where He is headed. And He desires to have a people who are so committed to Him in the last days that we will give up everything to be right with Him. And God is going to have that group of people in the last days. And I hope, friends, that it's us. This generation. We don't want to have of just an intellectual knowledge, but we want to have an experiential knowledge with Jesus Christ. We want to have a living connection with Him. You see, friends, as we read the Bible, as we read the prophecies, the book of Revelation, as we see the signs of the times, we see that we are living in the moment of Earth's final history. We definitely see that we are living in earth's last days. And Jesus is near, even at the door. But there's a message that we really need to make sure that we're getting today. God has placed a message in His Word for His last day people. And the message is very simple. Put your faith in Jesus. Put your hope in Him. We are down here in the very tiptoes, the very toenails, the very end of earth's history. Jesus Christ is about to return to this earth and we need to put our trust in Him. We need to put it in Him alone. So what does it mean when we looked at all of these signs And we see that Jesus is coming very soon it means that there are other events that are happening right now and are about to happen that need to happen before Jesus comes and so we need to understand who the beast is of revelation chapter 13 verse 1 through 10 we need to understand what the mark of the beast is we need to understand the seal of god we need to know who the second beast of revelation 11 to the end of the chapter is we need to know who that a.k.a. false prophet is. We need to understand those things so that we can see what's happening in the world right now, the deception that's going on right now, so that we are not a part of that deception. Amen. We need to get ready. We are coming into that time that Daniel was talking about. He said, "...a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation." Friends, the coming of Jesus cannot be far away. The signs are all there that He is coming soon. We're almost there. And we need to have our faith in the right place. The signs are there. And, friends, we don't want to ignore the signs. Like the man who died of a heart attack because he ignored the signs. Or like the woman who burned up her engine because she ignored the signs. Sorry, honey, I had to bring that one up. Friends, the signs are there. And we don't want to ignore the signs like Harry Truman did. There was a man by the name of Harry Truman, not the former President of the United States, but another man by the name of Harry Truman that lived the majority of his life on Mount St. Helens. And various times throughout the the history of this man living there, there were uh, rumblings of that volcano. There were shakings of the ground. And there were people that would come and say, you need to evacuate. You need to get away. And every time, Harry Truman and others stayed there and said, we're going to weather it out. And then there was a time when the authorities were coming and saying, you need to evacuate. You need to get out. And Harry Truman thought to himself that it was just like every other time and that he said to himself, this too shall pass. And then one day, with the power of several atomic bombs, Mount St. Helens blew It blew the top right off that mountain and Harry Truman right along with it. You see, friends, we are living that kind of day today. And where you stand at the coming of Jesus is going to be fixed by where you stand today and every day up to that day. And so we have a choice to make? Will we rise to our feet? And will we say, Lord, I want to be ready for Your glorious appearing. I need You to get me ready. I need You to prepare me. I need You to keep me coming to this Jesus on Prophecy seminar so that I can See these deceptions that are happening so that, Lord, I can avoid them so that I don't have to be a part of the world that wanders after the beast. Jesus said to His disciples, pray that your flight be not in the winter or on the Sabbath. And only those people that heeded the warning of Jesus fled Jerusalem in 70 AD before it was destroyed. And the same is true for us. Are we going to be ready? Are we going to be among that group that Jesus has come to save? Friends, this planet is a sinking ship. It is going down. And there are many things in this world that still look wonderful, still are, are the ideal, but we can't thinking to ourselves that we're going to just be cruising along as we've always done, and it's going to be as it's always been. The signs are there that Jesus is coming. And so we want to be ready. And if you'd like to give your heart to Jesus Christ tonight, if you want to tell Him that you want to be ready for His soon return, I want to ask you, are you willing to take a stand for Jesus? If you are, then I want you to stand up right now and let's pray. Father in Heaven, You are God. You know the end from the beginning. You know the exact moment when you're going to send Jesus back to this earth. Lord, we don't know that exact time, but we can kinds of the times you've told us to them. And it's not that these kinds of things have never happened before; it's that they've never been like this before. Things are being pressed together, increasing in intensity, and Lord, we want to be prepared. But we know that there are some things coming upon this world that must take place before Jesus comes. The Bible calls it the time of Jacob's trouble. And Lord, we want to be ready for it. And we need You to stir our hearts. Help us study. We need You to help us to see clearly from the Word of God what You would have us do. And Lord, we want to surrender our hearts to You tonight. And we want to pray and ask You to deliver us Help us. Lord, may we be counted worthy to escape the things that are coming upon the world. And Lord, we can only be that way if You do it for us. And so we surrender our hearts to You. And we pray that You will prepare us for that coming. And we ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen.